Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show.
You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. Good evening, wherever you are in the world listening to this radio broadcast. Stevie B. Easy Media Production presents What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. I'm your host, Stevie R. Butler. And this radio show is being broadcast from Stevie B.'s Media Production at the Carolina Studio in the great state of North Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just grateful for the privilege to be able to bring you a program where we as Christians and members of the Churches of Christ can share our faith and preach and teach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ on a weekly basis. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, you can give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508, or you can go to the Blog Talk Radio website and listen to the show live there. You will find this show on page three of that website, and this show is consistently on pages one through four of that website. There's over 1,800 shows that are live on Blog Talk Radio at this very hour. And you will find this show on page three. If you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts or special guests on this radio show, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. Or you can call Stevie B's Media Production at the Carolina Studio at 910-491-6405. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ. And if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, this is the fourth Tuesday of the month, and we have a special edition. My co-host, Kelly Fletcher, she serves with the Livingstone Church of Christ there in Indianapolis, Indiana. So we want to, you to enjoy your listening experience. So, Kelly, I will turn it over to you. Enjoy the show. Hey, sis, this is Genesis Archer, and you're listening to A Talk With My Sister on What A Word From The Lord Radio Show. Peace and love. Good evening, everyone. My name is Kelly Fletcher, and you are listening to The Kelly Fletcher Show on CVB Media Productions' What A Word From The Lord Radio Show. I am very happy to be here this evening. This is my last show for uh, 2022. So I'm looking forward to uh, Lord, Lord's will in the uh, uh, show in 2023. Um, but I am your co-host, and as Brother Stevie said, I attend the Livingstone Church of Christ in Indianapolis, Indiana. Should you have any questions for our guests during tonight's show, please email butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. I want to welcome my special guest for tonight, Regina Hutcherson and Selena Bowie, and I want to welcome back uh, Beverly Mason. Thank you, ladies, so much for being on the show to talk to us about a very important subject, which is mental health. It's one of those topics that should be taken seriously, but it might often be dismissed as just a phase or that's just how he or she is. So for those who are dealing with mental health concerns or have family or friends who have a mental health disorder, they are very aware that this is more than just a phase. My prayer tonight is that this discussion will be beneficial to the individual living with mental health issues and give a better understanding of mental health to the family and friends that love them. So before we get started, let's meet our guest. Celeste, if you can introduce yourself first and tell a little bit about yourself, then we'll go to Regina, then we'll go to Beverly. Hello, my name is Celeste Bowie. I attend the Kingsley Church Church of Christ in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, 
that's okay. <laughs> Thank you and welcome, Celeste. Uh, Regina, if you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. Hi, my name is Regina Hutchison. I attend Kingsley Terrace Church of Christ. Uh, I um, have five children, two uh, husbands, and I'm a wife and grandmother and great-grandmother. Amen. Thank you. Beverly? Hi, is Beverly on the line? I'm here. Hi. <laughs> Hi, I'm sorry. I was switching headphones. So I am <laughs> Beverly Mason. I am also a member at Kingsley Parish Church of Christ. I am a licensed mental health therapist and um, sexual abuse therapist. Um, oh, wow. I've been doing mental health for approximately 15, 20 years so. I'm just glad to have this outlet to talk about mental health and how it impacts families and individuals. Um, so I'm excited about tonight. Okay, thank you. And welcome again to all of you. I really appreciate you being here. Um, the first part of our uh, segment is uh, we're, we're just going to have a discussion about mental health and uh, hopefully answer some questions. And then the second half of our segment um, we have uh, a couple of um, ladies that are are experiencing uh, mental health, and they're going to talk about their experience. So, um, Beverly, we'll start we'll start off with you, and please okay. keep in mind there's no time limit to your response, and then you guys can feel free to bounce the discussion around the table, um, and then I'll chime in a, as needed. So, um, first. My my first question is, what is mental health, and is there a root cause or causes of poor mental health? Okay. So when we talk about mental health, it can break down into two categories. So you can kind of look at mental health being the, the big tree, and then there's branches of it. So you have mental health, the tree, and then you have mental wellness, and you have mental illness, two different things. Mental illness is described as a change in mood, behaviors, or thinking patterns. Um, mental illness is something that would be diagnosable under the current DSM-5. And so if there is a mental illness, those behaviors, those moods, or those um, shifts in, in how you think, would be something that would be found in the DSM-5. That is how mental health is described. I'm sorry, mental illness is described. And so, yes, there's a difference between, you know, what does it mean to have mental wellness? Mental wellness is on the other side of that where I still may have a mental illness, but I can achieve mental wellness if I do what's necessary to um, manage my mental health. I want to be very clear tonight that, Mental health is manageable with the right um, recipe of things. For some people, it's just medication. For some people, it's medication, therapy, and day groups and all other kind of things. It's, it's that individual person. Um, but it is something that is manageable as long as you seek help for it. Um, some of the – did you ask the causes of poor mental health? I, I don't want to go too far yes. into it. No, no, that's, okay. that's perfectly fine. Uh, but yes, ma'am, the 
what are the, you know, is there a root cause to poor mental health or, or uh, mental illness or are there causes? Mm-hmm. So when we look at mental illness, it usually comes by way of a couple different things. One, you have genetics. There's somewhere along the line, either in um, that paternal or maternal um, family line where there was also mental health present. So you have the genetic linkage. You have the environment. So if the environment is one that makes you feel unsafe, one that makes you feel unsure, one that's depressing or overstimulating, there are things that can come. There's mental um, diagnosis that can come from your environment as well. And then there's also trauma. And trauma is this old beast. Um, And so when we look at trauma, how does trauma affect overall mental health? How does trauma affect overall mental illness? As a child, you may experience things as a child and may not be able to comprehend what it is that I'm actually going through. So I create what's called a disassociation. I I begin to leave my reality because it's safer for me to be in fantasy than it is for me to be present because of what I'm experiencing as a child. But what happens with that is I master how to do that, and then I continue to stay in and out of reality, creating that mental illness. Um, It's not managed. It's not treated. Um, And so when you have trauma, um, sometimes – you know, you have the disassociation piece, then you have negative thinking. This is the hand I was dealt. Life won't get better. I can't get over what I've experienced and what I've went through. And so trauma plays a heavy hand in mental illness. A majority of the individuals that we treat have some trauma that have happened in early childhood or early adulthood that could be the onset of mental illness. Okay. Okay. Thank you for that. Um and uh, Regina and Celeste, if you have any, you know, anything that you want to add or include, please feel free to to just jump right in, okay? Oh, um, yes, that's fine. That's fine. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. I, I just want to say I do agree with Sister Beverly as a person who suffers with mental health and mental illness and um, how um, – Minds came about, you know, um, people really thought that um, it was just me being crazy, the crazy mess uh-huh. thing about, oh, she's just crazy. So I can agree with her about, um, you know, the causes of it and how it how it, uh, affected me, um, the um, mental abuse and emotional abuse that I suffered as a child and uh, how that um cause, what they say, cause and effect, and how it um, uh, became, how it became about for me. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, It's the last, I was going to say, I was going to say, I appreciate her breaking that down. That um, was very, uh, I appreciate it. I was going to say, for me, um, genetics was the first part on my mother's side and my father's side, mental um illness is uh, very prevalent, especially on my father's side even more, but very prevalent. And then uh, trauma is part of my story, and then also my environment throughout my life. I'll play the part to make the perfect recipe for what happened to me. So. Okay. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
Thank, thank you. Thank y'all. Thank you both for um, for commenting. And, and like I said, you know, just feel free to, to chime in whenever you have something on your heart that you want to share. Um, so my next question is what what are uh, what are the most common, I guess, mental disorders? Um, Beverly, and, and what are the statistics of those that are struggling, struggling with um, mental illness? Mm-hmm. So what, probably the most common that I want to make sure um, I, I go over today is co-occurring disorders. And that is where you have a mental health, again, um, mental illness or mental disorder, however you want to use it, those words are interchangeable, okay. illness or disorder accompanied with an addiction. And so those are called co-occurring. That is probably what we see the most often. Um, and those co-occurring disorders can be by way of, you know, alcohol, um, any type of substance abuse, food, sex, shopping. There, There's an addiction that goes along with that mental disorder. And so those are what we treat most often. Uh, when it comes to specifically talking about the black community, um, by way of just being who we, who we are as people, we experience things um, that are traumatic daily, but we've, we've learned how to just keep going. It doesn't mean that it's less traumatic. It just means that it's just not dealt with, and that is impactful. So as far as looking at the statistics, so there is the treated mental health where we're about, we're, I'm, I'm glad to say it has increased over the last five years. So we were at 34% in the last, and this was last taken in 2019, we're about 48% of treated mental health. But we still have a large variety that, one, there's still taboo to treat your mental health in the black community, and that's for a variety of different reasons, too. Um, we're rooted in our spirituality, which tells us, and I, I've heard it, I think everybody has heard it before, just pray about it. Um, mm-hmm. That is great. I will always go to my faith. However, that's not going to be enough if I'm dealing with a mental disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is some of the common, you know, causes that why we, it's not addressed like it should be. Um, so we have co-occurring disorders with a mental disorder and a substance abuse, depression, um, very high anxiety, depression, um, we deal with this at an alarming rate, um, and it's not really addressed. We have stigmas attached to us. Um, strong black woman. So strong black woman means that, again, you just keep going. You don't allow yourself to take care of yourself. You're not expected to. You just deal with it. It's, it's mm. not fair, and it's not realistic that we, we are just to keep going. Then you have for the men, you know, man up. So, again, right. don't. You're not supposed to feel. You're not supposed to know. So people become depressed and we hide behind these facades of everything is okay because that's what's expected of us from the strong black woman and the man that has to man up. And then we wonder why suicide rates are alarming from not necessarily just our teens anymore. We're headed on into our 40s now um, of our suicide rates because of the stigmas that are attached to us. Um and then you get into more of your mood disorders, such as um, borderline personality, um, schizophrenia, 
um, uh, bipolar disorder. And so we're starting to see more of them. The issue with those is we're still looking at how much of it is just trauma and how much of it is actually mental disorder. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. There's so much information. Uh, I mean, I, and I know we have a, a, a short amount of time, so because uh, I would want to dig into some of this a little further. Um, but I'll I'll just go on with the next question. So, um, how can how can someone know that they are struggling with um, a mental illness? Or, or can only a doctor diagnose that there there is an issue? Are there any warning signs of possible mental oh, health problems? Okay. Yeah. So knowing that, so some of the signs to look for, the first and foremost is, you know, isolation. Uh, when the person starts to withdraw, um, they're not showing up to the holidays. I haven't seen cousin, you know, where's he at, you know. So you start to see isolation. Um, unwarranted anger. So let's say a cup spilled and you over-respond to that. You get, okay, the cup spilled, we can wipe that up. But you have a big response to that. Um, Unable to manage your mood, you're going from high to low multiple times throughout the day. Um, Not being able to process. Um, But one of the biggest things is when you're talking to somebody, how they see life, um, suicide ideation, it's what we call cognitive distortions. When somebody has a negative way of just seeing everything, it's time to get them in to talk to somebody to process those things. Um, there are signs that as a, as a parent, as a sister, as an aunt, that we can notice to say this person needs help. But for most people, they will let you know, I, I'm struggling. But mm-hmm. how many of us really take time to you know, dive into what that means. Um, okay, so if you're struggling, that means we need to get you in to see someone. It's not always medication that's needed, but if it is, you know, being able to connect them to those things. Um, so there are many signs. Substance abuse is a big one. Um, they're drinking more. Now they can't stop drinking. And substance abuse is just a mask. I don't want to feel. I don't want to deal with my moods or my thoughts because they're too negative. They're too dark. So I use substance to cope. Okay. Okay. Um, that 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 was one of the things that uh, I deal with is uh, I'm also a recovering addict, and uh, Sister Mason mentioned that you know one of the ways that uh, I used to cope uh, with life was through my addiction and drugs and. Um, I thought that was the only way that I could cope. And because of um, my other attachments with trauma and uh, 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 postpartum depression, uh, both of those uh, had um, where I would uh, uh, believe that was the only way I could uh, live. And um, when I got in my spiritual uh, it began to help me see that that's not the only way that I could cope with life on life's terms because of the trauma that I experienced as a child. And uh, it also helped me to um, evolve more with less self and be, become more selfless because 
in addiction, which I know this isn't so, but with addiction, no, you also fine. have a, you always have a, uh, it's all about you, you know, it's all about what you want or how you want. And uh, mm-hmm. so uh, through the, through me going through a recovery and uh, uh, taking classes with doing NA meetings and uh, also uh, going to my mental health uh, doctor and, you know, and being able to, to dig in a little bit deeper, you know, I thought it was not, I, I didn't think I'd ever get clean <laughs> because of um, the the manic depression that I had and, you know, the severe trauma that I've been through. But I'm, I'm grateful because of the process. It does work. The process does work. And uh, I had to go through, <laughs> but I'm coming through. <laughs> Praise God. Praise Amen. God. <laughs> I was going to say Anyhow. for me, from the, sharing from the other side, I would say for a person who begins to suffer and it gradually comes on over time, is begin to notice when when your thoughts and your reality begin to slip through your fingers. It's kind of like um, the picture of the Sudafed commercial where they said, oh, you have medicine head and your head kind of floats away. I could describe mm-hmm. it as when you're br- you cannot ground your brain anymore. You can't ground your thoughts or your thought process. You no longer have control of what you think or how, what's going on. There's no way, no matter what you do, you can't control it anymore. That's if you haven't gotten it before. Right. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Um, I know that sometimes, you know, family and friends, they, uh, like I mentioned in the in the introduction, sometimes they may want to uh, dismiss it as um, just, oh, they're just going through a phase, or I think Sister Beverly mentioned earlier about uh, being crazy, uh, or that's just how they are. Um, and I know, Sister Beverly, you touched on this some, um, but why why is it not taken seriously? Why is mental uh, mental illness not taken seriously? Right. Well, I think we're doing a better job at it um, with taking yeah. it seriously, but because we're seeing more, part of it um, is. We, we do a lot of justifying of behaviors. We justify that angry child. We justify why they're angry. We minimize why they're angry. Um, a lot of it is we don't, we don't know what to do. Um, it's unfamiliar to us, and so we do nothing instead of reaching out for help and saying this is the issue. The reality is the system is broken. The mental health system is broken. Um, a lot of um, just a little backstory on how I got into this, a lot of what happens still to this day is because we don't have a solidified plan for mental health, it's still filtered through criminal justice. And so we keep locking them up and locking them up. We're not treating the mental health. We're just taking them out of reality for a while. And so that is, you know, another part of it, you know, behaviors. So I don't want to deal with your yelling and screaming and your substance abuse and you stealing stuff and you taking stuff get away from me, go away from me. And so it makes it difficult for me to want to help you when you're hurting me. Um, And so that's part of it too. And so being able to reach out to someone and say, I'm not the person that's going to be able to bring them. I'm not the person that's going to sit there because I'm too hurt, I'm too broken, but I want them to get help. Where do we start? 
Um, and we have to be honest about what we see. Um, a lot of times we're we're still, uh, again, justifying and minimizing or blaming someone else. Well, you know, that's, that's how his daddy was or, you know, his mama act like that. Um, so that's, that's all it is. Yeah, we got to do more. We got to be, in most cases, proactive. Um, but the, the biggest, probably it's a broken system, you know, from the school system to the mental health system to the criminal justice system, it's broken. Okay. Okay. Um, before we go to break, I do have one more question. And I, so I know that, that uh, when you started out, you said that um, mental health disorder, it, it is manageable. Um, sometimes it's, you can just take medication uh, to manage it, or sometimes it may take more than medication. You may need therapy or, or something else. So um, are there habits that can be incorporated in uh, to help us improve or prevent uh, mental mental illness? Um, awareness uh, programs like this, um, especially, you know, talking about it more, talking about it in schools. Um, the schools, you know, they do what they can with identifying it early. Um, that is probably the key to prevention is early um, identification because then it allows you to get started. It's one thing treating mental, treating mental health when that child is eight, and it's a whole other thing treating mental health when that child is 18 two different beasts. Um, and so if, you know, you see these behaviors, they can't sit still, they can't, their mind can't stop processing. Don't dismiss it as, you know, just the teacher um, doesn't like little Johnny, you know. No, let's see what's really going on here. Um, so there there are some things that, you know, can be done, you know, from, from a group setting to individual therapy to uh, psychiatry, um, um, day groups, there are a lot of avenues and support groups as well. There are a lot of avenues that a person could take to start out getting mental health treatment. Um, if, you know, the, the one of the things that keeps us ignorant is our ability to not grow in our knowledge. So seek out information. If you, you know, read up on these things, ask somebody, you know, um, come to different church events or community events that's talking about mental health, uh, read up on it. That is going to be our best weapon. And if always, if it's been identified, get it treated. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much for the information and for sharing um, some of your experiences, Regina and Celeste. Uh, we're going to take uh, just a short break. And uh, we'll come back and we'll talk to uh, Celeste and Regina about uh, some of their experiences. Thank okay. you so much, and I'll turn it over to Brother Stevie for now. It ain't easy, no. Sometimes it gets hard down here, Lord. Sometimes it gets tough for me. Has anybody been lonely? 
is Terry Jackson, and you're listening to a talk with my sisters on What a Word from the Lord radio show. Welcome back, and I just want to thank uh, our guests uh, who have been um, giving us information, sharing their knowledge on mental health. Um, And I also want to thank our listening audience. I appreciate your presence. Um, So for this half um, of the show, we want to talk to um, Celeste and to Regina. Um, I know that you both shared that you are currently uh, experiencing a mental disorder. And you gave us a little bit of information. Um, So I'll start with you, Celeste. And can you just give us a little more background um, with your your mental health and, and what you're dealing with and your experience, uh, your day-to-day experience yes, and, uh, and what you you're doing much. to manage it? Oh. Okay. No, thank you I'm much. sorry. I'm trying to stay within my 15 minutes. That's um, fine. I want to say, first, thank you for the opportunity, and two, I'm so glad we're talking about this within the body of Christ because it's much needed. If I had something Amen. like this when I was going through my experience, it might have really helped. Thanks. Amen. Uh, okay, I'm going to share what happened first. Um, I was born to a single mother. My father chose not to be a part of my life unless my mother chose to. I found this out when I was gone. Unless my mother chose to sign over complete custody to him, and I never see me, never see me again. And so my mother chose not to do that part of my life. Um, this um, influenced my sense of trust even up till now, that I really don't um, trust people, situations, relationships, too much of anything. And I didn't know that until I got into therapy as an adult, but I know that that, um, that was some of the root cause. Um, then about uh, seven years old, I experienced some trauma. In my family, we've had some abuse, um, various types of abuse. But um, my cousin began to sexually uh, abuse me at that time. And I guess some other family members, but I don't think about it too much. Um, but I say that's when I could recognize as a person, about seven years old, that my anxiety and depression started. I didn't know it was anxiety and depression at the time. Only after years of therapy, I know that's what it began. Um, and with my anxiety, I know I never, my mom was right where I could see her. I had a lot of problems in school, not one to like what they call separation anxiety. I never wanted to leave her side. I never wanted her to leave me anywhere. I didn't want to go to babysitters. I always wanted to be right up under her. Um, and then for my depression, I felt worthless. I felt guilty, and I felt bad and shame all the time. It was just increased the older I got. Um, then the next thing, major thing that happened in my life, the impact of my life, is my uh, brother's father um, was in and out of the home. And uh, one night, I know now, you know, he's got, issues as well but he came to my mother's home and he had a knife and he was screaming out I was sleeping I woke up and I was still about seven maybe seven and a half and uh, he was telling her my mother had my baby brother in her arms he was telling her to kill him with the knife and um I just got so upset I started crying I was telling my mother actually had him finally leave but that was the next uh, major traumatic event in my life that uh, impacted me so after that I was really my anxiety um uh, just increased so much at home, at school, everywhere. I was always anxious, always afraid um, all the time. Um, then my depression began to increase because um, starting at about fifth grade, I started to begin to be bullied somewhere between fourth and fifth grade. Um, and that happened all the way into my freshman year of college. 
um, I was bullied by my peers, by people. I really couldn't form close friendships by males and females. Just bullied for all kinds of reasons. The way I looked, my hair, my glasses, um, my skin color, just everything. Um, and that was an everyday occurrence. I would not want to get up and go to school. I would um, just want to sleep and cry. My mother would tell me, be on your back. Um, but it, that, just, that didn't do enough. I just couldn't cope with going to school every day. I kept going, though, because it was a requirement of my home, but it was just terrible. Um, eventually, I uh, suffered through life. I went, went on through life. I went to high school, went to college, and then eventually got married. Um, my marriage turned out to be an abusive marriage. I didn't know it was going to turn out like that because he didn't show any signs at the beginning. Um, it turned out that he was an alcoholic. I didn't know about that either um, at the, when we got married. Um, but that just, that really helped destroy my mind and my body because he was also physically abusive as well, mentally, emotionally, financially, spiritually. My anxiety and depression worsened that time. Um, unbearable. Um, I wanted to... I was in constant fear. I wanted to hide. I wanted to be invisible. I wanted to die. I began to dream of dying and never wake up. I had a child at this time, and so I did not want to die. I wanted to always be around for my child. I wanted my child to have a good life. Um, but I was always afraid for my child. I was afraid that my family would hurt him, that his dad would hurt him. I was afraid when he went to school that he'd get hurt at school other strangers were hurting because on the news they were having more and more coaches and teachers abusing children. My anxiety ramped up to almost unbearable. I began to eat very little, um, and I was already a vegetarian since I was a teenager, but it began to, uh, because of poverty, it began to get really restrictive because I wouldn't eat meat, and that was mostly what was available. Um, I began to slowly become malnourished and started struggling with my physical health as well. My abusive alcoholic ex-husband was blessed with a high-paying job. He began to financially abuse me, and his alcoholism, alcoholism ramped up with access to more money. I sank deeper into anxiety and depression and also food issues. Eventually, I was left, left for good with my child to um, the Julian Center, which is a local domestic violence shelter here in Indianapolis. This was the start of me beginning on the trail to get better. I was there for two years, receiving intensive counseling, one-on-one counseling, parent, parent group counseling group, educational group, and also play therapy with my child. I also sought help from within the Church of Christ. My congregation did not offer any safe help at the time, so I caught rides and took the bus and walked to another great divorce care which helped people who were going through divorces and their children. One Hope, which is a support group for survivors of abuse, a boundaries class, um, that has videos by Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend, another wonderful support. And the shelter in that classroom I had to eat what was ever was served or go hungry. Meat was the main dish of my meal. I was able to be blessed with going to getting a job eventually and going to school while living in the Julian Center. I felt safe, protected, and my anxiety and depression lessened. One therapist suggested medicine at the Julian Center. He stated that I was doing better, but I, he really wanted me to try medica medication. At the time, I was doing everything natural. I was taking vitamins. I was going to therapy, and I felt that that was good enough, and it was God. Everything would work out without the medication. It did not work in the long run. Um, the short term, it did work, but not in the long run. When I had to deal with the real trials and tribulations of life once moving out of the shelter because there was a time limit. So once I had to leave, um, in the beginning it was okay, but then... 
uh, my ex-husband again to violate the protective order. And out of misplaced sense of loyalty to him and my son, I did not call the police and press charges. Instead of enforcing the law that God had blessed me with, I didn't know that at the time, things began to spiral out of control for me mentally. I attempted to control things myself by fasting, but I fasted over 25 days at night with just water, and I got really skinny. I did not know that was an attempt to try to help God do things my way instead of his. It all ended up bad, and the only way to get to where I am today was with medication and therapy. This has made it difficult to maintain relationships and employment. Um, okay, then I want to say this. Um, a woman, this is from a book called Created for a Purpose by Darlene and Bonnie Fowler. A woman's success is often tied to how others see her. But if your sense of worth depends on what others think of you, you have no control of that. It's not often enough to do a job well. A highly successful woman will be discredited to not spiked by others. You may be tired and struggling today trying to figure out who you really are with the incorrect sense of your own worth. Maybe this is camouflaged as an eating disorder, drinking, compulsive shopping, depression, fear, obsession with your appearance, your online social presence, or by one of several other behaviors. We may act out, make terrible decisions, and allow ourselves to be treated horribly without knowing who we are, who we are, and why we are alive. These behaviors merely signal the existence of an underlying problem. We must deal with their cause, not just slap abandons and ignore the infection. We did that the problem with the fake out and a different set of symptoms. That's what happened to me. And then I'll share what it's like now. Um, thank the Lord and praise God. I thankfully I faithfully worship in service now weekly and attend Bible class weekly in person or, or virtually as able. I take medicine daily and I have to see a nurse every month for more medication. This has been a hindrance to my various employment because I have to miss work at least one time a month and sometimes more. And like Sister Beverly said, there's a stigma attached to it. So at different good jobs I've had, but I've had to share that I have to go to the nurse once a month and then also see my doctors, my various doctors. Um, I've lost jobs over that. Um, officially, they're not more than one job over that. I go to therapy constantly. I attend online YouTube support groups, Al Nine for the family and friends of alcoholics, Nine Nine for family and friends of addicts, OA for the resolution of my food issues. And before um, and before working full time in the pandemic, I attended those support groups in person and on the phone. I was able to finish raising my child, praise God, and he obeyed the gospel and was working full time. I've also been able to be blessed to be part of my two ex-stepson's life. I'm blessed to finish my associate's degree and my bachelor's degree, and I work mostly full-time except when I spoke to the doctor. I just want to say, if you are suffering any type of emotional, mental, or physical problem, ask prayer first for pressure Christians, then too, be proactive as you need support groups and physical health. Never wait too late. Just like as Sister Mason was mentioning, we've had so many famous people um, and just people, period, hurt themselves recently. God loves you. He and I both believe that you are worth it. Some resources available are 988, which is a suicide line, and also crisis line, and also if you're a veteran, the Veterans Crisis Line, which are both open 24 hours a day. One last thing, and I'll be done. Just want to say thank you again for this opportunity. Then I want to say I just want to remind you that God loves you, that you are valuable to him, and that he made you the very expression of his beauty and glory. Thank you for letting me share. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Celeste, for, for sharing uh, your story. Um, you know, I really appreciate it, and I'm, I'm sure that it will be helpful for, you know, anybody that's listening. Uh, and we'll, you know, and I'll make sure before we hang up that I'll share um, the uh, contact information uh, that you provided. So we'll go, uh, go on to Sister Regina. And pretty much it's the the same question. Um, what what is what was your experience? Uh, a little bit about your background and um, what you're doing now. Is your day to day experience with mental health and uh, what you're doing now to to help manage it? Um, thank you very much for this opportunity. Thank you. Um, for allowing me to come and share um, my story. And um, I pray that someone will be blessed and that it will help them to see that there's hope. Um, I grew up in a two-parent home. Um, There was my sister, my brother, and I. um, I was, um, we were in grade school. We were commonly around a lot of our grandparents and uh, people that, you know, seemingly had a lot lot of uh, spiritual connection. And um, I, I believe that at the time that this, uh, that I was in the right place at the right time. Um, but as time went on, my, my parents, when they uh, both um, – came together and they married after having my brother, I believe, they began to experience some uh, ups and downs in their marriage and in their life. And then uh, uh, we were back and forth uh, to our grandparents most of the time during those times. And then my mother, she started working two jobs to try to, I guess, to get, get them out of a rut that would help uh, the situation that they were going through financially. But I believe that uh, as a result, that opened the door, uh, another door. And uh, my uh, brother and I, my sister, we used to be at home with our father, you know, uh, during those periods of time. And then uh, we um, began to, I began to notice some strange things taking place uh, around six or seven, but I wasn't for sure. I couldn't put my finger on it. And uh, with this uh, type of thinking, I guess I was just, you know, uh, happy-go-lucky is what I say as a child. So um, I really didn't see what was coming. Um, I was really just um, into myself and people around me, my friends, and Things, like I said, a happy-go-lucky child. But as a result, um, I was uh, molested as a child. And uh, when I began to understand what that meant, I, did, I really didn't know. So for many years, um, after more than one time, then I uh, became pregnant in the second, the second molestation that had taken place in my life. And I uh, had twins at nine years old. 
and um, my mother confused, my family confused. At that time, there was a saying, uh, if you were too close to men or too, too close to people, they always said, oh, she's fast, you know. And uh, no, it wasn't that because from what I've learned through this process is that it, it wasn't about being fast. It was about someone doing something to me that they shouldn't have as an adult. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so as time went on, I lost my sister in the middle of after having my twins at nine. And uh, she died. She was killed and kidnapped as well. So I experienced both sexual abuse and physical abuse and then uh, mental abuse because of the loss of my sister. And so that threw me into a real uh, tailspin with my trauma. And uh, I began to isolate myself from people, and I wouldn't talk to people. And as the less added, I, I would distrust people. So I began to get inside myself. So I became a person whose feelings and thoughts I kept to myself. I felt like nobody was there, no one cared, so I I kept it to myself. My feelings, my emotions, um, even when my grandmother or people that, you know, had spirituality, they would come and say, we love you and God loves you and things like that. I believe at one time I received it, but then my pain and my shame and my guilt began to overcome. the way I was thinking when they would say say those things to me, you know, and I believe that um, when I began to, you know, look look and seek after something spiritual that was Jesus, I could not keep it. It was there, but I couldn't keep keep it because mentally, emotionally, everything I did was inside. It was a inward thing, and so I began to uh, regress into my disorder. Um, depression, manic, my highs were high, my lows were low. Uh, I I would cry to drop it of a hat, and I began to blame myself. Why why my sister died? You know why why, why did she have to die? You know, and uh, so I began feeding my began feeding off of that, and we got got where I couldn't. Uh, mentally handle it anymore. So I just, you know, stepped back and then I continued to go to school and things like that and some kind of way it was something keeping me in my mind because I, I know I know today I, sh- I could be out of my mind, but by the grace of God I'm not. And, uh, you know, I just, there's times and moments that I have um isolation more and I have the uh, depression and obsessive compulsion to um, uh, I used to I was a happy-go-lucky person so I began to say think negatively you know Uh, I began to self-hurt you know in ways that I didn't I didn't go and cut myself or anything but emotionally I would allow things that people would say you know oh uh, this girl, she's just fast, things like that. I let that, you know, take hold of me, you know. And so I fed off that type of thinking. 
And I started becoming that type of thinking. You know, so I began to act out. I was very promiscuous in my behavior. Um, I was uh, seeking love in all the wrong places. I began to pick up drugs. You know, my environment was already already kind of where there were drugs and alcohol, so that seemed like the thing to do, you know. That was my way of coping and escaping my pain that I was having. And uh, I really didn't have, at that time, many people that I can go and talk to or, you know, be open and honest with because I was that person who carried everything inside. And uh, as time went on, I began to uh, experience uh, uh, drugs. I got into drugs and alcohol, and uh, it became my first love. You know, my first love really wasn't the drug, but that's what that's what took over because mentally I couldn't handle what I had to go through, you know, about the kids and dealing, coping with my parents. My parents raised me and my sisters together, my daughters together as sisters. So that, that kind of... Uh, weighed on me heavily, you know. When we got, they finally separated. Uh, my family was finally a broken, I, I also say I'm coming from a broken family as well. And uh, when they finally separated, uh, my mother took very ill with cancer. My father, he left. And uh, there I was all alone again, you know, that so that they say never get too hungry, angry, or lonely. Well, that was me. At, at any given moment, I was hungry, I was lonely, and I was just tired. And uh, there was a moment of time where I became homeless as a result of not wanting to deal with family, not wanting to deal with my problems. Uh, I didn't want. I, I didn't want to. Uh, like Sister Beverly mentioned earlier, you, you really don't. You don't you don't want to look at it, you know. And then it, the people you're looking at, they're right there, but there's nothing you can do about it. So you just stick, stay there, you know, hoping it'll go away, but it doesn't go away. And for our viewers, I would like to just say too, if you don't do anything about it, it's not gonna go away. Because I I'm one of those <laughs> who ran from it, you know. But during the process. I also went to uh, I went to several uh, facilities to uh, get mental help and uh, get, uh, help with my addiction. Thank God, you know someone mm-hmm. saw me in in my down and they said, "Oh, you don't have to do that." <laughs> I know somewhere that you can go in there and help you, you know. And so um, I was grateful for that because I I thought I, it was. I also looked at myself as hopeless and helpless, that nobody cared. There's not, no one in the world that was going to help somebody like me now. You know, being an addict, you, you, you go into the guilt thing and you, you lose your children and you go into, the, go into the system. Well, all of that is my story, you know, as a result of not making right choices and things like that. And... Uh, so I just, you know, as time went on, I began to look look up a little brighter. Uh, I did take medications for a while when I went to a, a, a couple places to help me with my mental health. 
and I began to take mental health meds, and it helped me. But then I started having uh, emotional turmoil inside, and it made me feel like that I was uh, doing drugs all over again. So that that happens to me then. I'm not saying it won't happen now, but it happened to me then. And so mm-hmm. I always, uh, I, I thought in my, I went into my spiritual really, really heavy. I began to uh, read my word and pray a lot more and talk to other people in the church. Uh, Kingsley Terrace is one of my most uh, powerful things that helped came into my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the people mm-hmm. here at Kingsley Terrace really helped me mentally to uh, get to a place of where I can stop because I actually have 11 years clean from all Amen. substances by the grace of Amen. God. And uh, just, uh, I mean, so many, so many encouraging people here, uh, so many um, people that are willing to step out and say, hey, what do you need? You know, even when I don't know, they, 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 they come to me, you know, and uh, this, this process, you know, uh, it's, it, getting the help that I need. They they keep me on the path. They show me where I need to get if I'm not there. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm just really grateful, you know, because uh, 11 years ago, I couldn't even imagine having a day clean. My husband oh. and the, my husband, uh, he also, he, he saw me in my worst. He saw me in my best. And, uh, but he second stayed. And he always tells, he always sends me to the sisters here at Kingsley Terrace. He says, I'm calling Sister Williams, I'm calling Sister Beverly, I'm calling somebody. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it's like, it's who you put your, who you surround yourself with. And I chose, I didn't choose to walk away from my family. I walked away so that I can get healthy and well again where I wasn't. Because I made a lot of bad choices as a result of my addiction as well, and as part of my mental health. Uh, for me, the like a, a car. If the tires, the four tires on the car aren't all the way aired up just right, that's the same way I have to do my life now. I have mm-hmm. to, I have to make sure I get the the spiritual, the mental, and the emotional type of help that I need so that I can continue every day because my everyday walk and uh, everyday life counts now, you know, and without it, I wouldn't be anything because I would be like, I, like we always say in my program of NA, I'm always a day away from picking up or using. So I have to continue what I started and I have to always put God first. Because spiritually, he's got he's carried me when I wasn't able to walk. So now he's carrying he carried me, and he got me this far, you know. And uh, what they say, good orderly direction. <laughs> I needed that. I needed that every day, all day, sometimes. And uh, I also I get out and help other people through through the through what to by helping them. It helps me to continue to see, stay humble, you know, be humble, and uh, not not feel like uh, they they can't do. It. I have to I have to let them know. Yes, you can do it. If I did it, you can do it too. Wow. And uh, 
and, and whatever your situation is, there's no situation too big for God. There's no situation too big for this process. You know, you just have to get on that path, you know. And a lot of people in my family, and I will say this too, and I'm going to stop. A lot of people in my family, <laughs> a lot of people in my family did not believe or understand why I do what I do. They didn't understand why I got in the church. They didn't understand why why I drew closer to uh, support, NA, uh, mental health. They they didn't understand that. They didn't they they didn't even feel like, uh, oh she's just crazy. They they all they really did yeah. say that, and uh, I got offended by it, but I'm grateful that I didn't keep it because if I kept it, you know the word they say words the words you say can hurt. Yeah, they hurt, mm-hmm. but I mm-hmm. you know I, I felt the thing, and I said okay, but that ain't what God said. Right. <laughs> See, that's right. why I had to get up and get in my spiritual and say, wait a minute, what does the word say? <laughs> the word, Amen. He, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when I got in that word and I start meditating, I said, oh, yeah, that's right. I see that, you know. And, uh, yeah, I had to guide herself, you know, because there were some, some characters and behaviors as a result of my addiction that I had to, to come free from, get free from them. And it wasn't easy, and it still ain't easy. It's a process. <laughs> Man, and, but the process works. It works. And uh, like I said, you know, uh, I tell people stick and stay till the miracle happens. Don't leave. <laughs> Don't That's leave. Right. And, uh, and I tell myself that too because there are days I get pain, <laughs> and that mm-hmm. pain comes, but it's gonna go and it's gonna it's gonna ease away, you know. And uh, also, um, also one time did have that there have to try. To leave because I said, oh, I don't belong here. But that that was mm-hmm. that stinking thinking. So I, I knew mm-hmm. I knew mm-hmm. then that that wasn't the character and defect that was working. That was the work in me. No, I had to get. I had to keep going. You know. Right. And uh, after all the losses I've had within the last four or five years, uh, my mother saw me clean. My grandmother saw me clean. My family sees me clean with eleven mm-hmm. years. And I'm just mm-hmm. so grateful, you know, and uh, grateful to my husband and his support and the ones that support me around me, that are around me every day, sometimes all day, every day. <laughs> but yes, I'm grateful. Is. And I'm also working, which I I never kept a job 10 years. I've been on my job 10 years. <laughs> Amen. So, Amen. So it, <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> okay. So it does work. It does work. And I'm That's just right. grateful for this opportunity. And I, to anyone out there who's struggling, just stay. Don't stop. Just keep going. And it gets Amen. easier and easier if you just keep on. And that's all I have. Thanks. That's right. I think I, I'm trying not to tear up, but I have. Because both of you, your story have been so powerful and it's a blessing that God brought you from where you were to where you are now and it mm-hmm. took strength and courage and just being honest to 
even be able to share your story. And I am so thankful and I am so grateful to God that he's brought you this far and he's allowed you to share this information and this story with our listening audience and with us. So I really appreciate it. I appreciate all of you being on the show tonight. I'm going to calm down a little bit. (laughs) So um, before we go, I just want to ask for, I know that Celeste gave um, the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline number, which Mm -hmm. is 988, and I know they're available 24 hours. Um, Beverly, is there another number? Uh, also that they can contact maybe related to substance abuse and or a mental health uh, hotline? Yes, and so anyone wanting to get help with substance abuse or mental health, um, I would encourage you to use 211. They're available 24-7, and they'll give you resources in your area, per, you know, through the zip code um, to, you know, get help immediately. Also, using um, there's the Mental Health Association of Indianapolis. They will also help with substance abuse or um, any substance abuse or any mental health issues. And then if you're just looking to do therapy, looking at psychology today, that also can be done by zip code, gender and race, and specific um, uh, therapy models that you're looking for. So those are some of the ones that you can use to get started. But if you're just kind of starting out, I encourage you to call 211 and they'll point you in the right direction. I just want to say real quick um, for Celeste and Regina, I'm holding space in my heart for both of you. Your stories are amazing, uh, resiliency and strength, and I'm so glad to be able to, um, you know, to see where you guys are today. Very proud of you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, ladies, so much. I appreciate you. I want to thank the Lord for uh, allowing us to have this really, really important conversation tonight. Um, I'm grateful to Regina, to my sisters, Regina, Celeste, and Beverly, for sharing your experience and wealth of knowledge on uh, this particular subject. As I've mentioned before, my prayer is that it has been uh, beneficial to all those who are within, within earshot uh, of this show. Um, and one thing I want to also mention is Always be kind to everyone you meet. Um, You don't know what they've gone through or what they're going through currently. So just always be kind. Um, I'd like to also thank Brother Stevie for uh, giving us this platform to share this information. Um, And to our listeners, I want to thank you also for tuning in. And we look forward to having you in the audience in 2023. Uh, Should you have any questions or comments for our guest tonight, uh, after the show, please feel free to contact me on Facebook Messenger or send an email to butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com, and we'll be sure to forward your questions and comments to our guests. Um, Also, uh, just a quick note, I've started lining up guests for next year. So far, my guests have been, uh, and my conversations have been, Uh, with my sisters, but in 2023, 
uh, we're going to continue with my sisters, but I've also asked a few brothers to be guests as well. So as on prior shows, I believe each of each of the upcoming uh, discussions will bring an abundance of information that will help and encourage each of us spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically. So I'm excited about what the new year brings. And so having said that, happy new year. Be safe, and I will now turn it over to Brother Stevie B. Thank you, and have a good night. Hey, sis, this is Genesis Archer, and you're listening to A Talk With My Sister on What A Word From The Lord's Radio Show. Peace and love. You're listening to What A Word From The Lord Radio Show.
You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show.